Hi, this is Chris Hanbury from Serious Squash, and you're listening to episode 8 of the Serious Squash podcast. Uh, sadly, my computer is still in the computer shop, so uh, you're stuck with me for at least uh, this one more episode. Hopefully, you'll be able to uh, get back to uh, interviewing some other top coaches, trainers, um, sometimes shortly. But uh, this week, I thought would be, would be interesting is... I could look back um, and, uh, you know, I think it's easy to say, like, with your wisdom of, like, your experience and you, there's things you would do differently, either as a, um, as a player, as a coach, uh, and that's kind of how you learn and you kind of share your, your experiences um, with other people. And uh, some people obviously have the opportunity to kind of share uh, things that they that worked for them that helped them and uh, you know obviously I have some of that as well like I, I did play at a pretty high level had some you know pretty decent success but also I look back at you know how kind of motivated I was and how um, you know hard I worked at least for you know a few years here and there and um, you know wishing I could have taken my squash to a higher level so I kind of also We'll look at um, ways that I, I, as a junior at at university level um, and beyond, that I I wish I kind of things I knew or I wish I knew back then, uh, maybe some things that I did well that helped me. Um, So we'll kind of look at the pros and cons of uh, some of the things back then. Obviously, a lot's changed right now um, compared to, uh, you know, I'm 38, so when I was, you know, starting squash and, and playing tournaments as a junior um, when I was you know 9, 10, 11, 12 years old there wasn't a lot of information available it was hard to watch professional squash matches um, but if I think back to when I was that age what I can remember um, I think I was just completely focused on winning and uh, probably did not have an understanding or appreciation that uh, the process really um, was what let you win or lose and um you know sometimes you're so focused on winning that you know you just have trouble uh you know handling losing and um sometimes you actually maybe don't play the right shot because you don't either want to make a mistake or you um you know are just playing what's working and and sometimes it's not always the right shot um to get better and kind of become the best squash player you can be uh so I don't really remember having a lot of other focuses um you know I think in my practice and my training uh, I did do a lot of solo hitting um but uh I was kind of in a small town outside of Toronto so I didn't always have somebody to hit with but I remember just being really obsessed with kind of the quantity of hours I was solo hitting and how much I was practicing um and uh and basically I would just be solely focused I remember reading a journal from when I was probably 11 or 12 and just uh you know just all the, all the my notes were about like if I won or lost and how did I lose to this person uh so definitely you know I think some goal setting would have been really helpful um and I think it's great to have you know outcome based results and you look at the pros they all have you know that all they seem to really care about is that their their ranking getting higher and uh but you know they don't really often share like what they've been working on or or what part of their game that um has taken them to that level and really that's as a coach is what you want to focus on um you can't always control the draws and what other people are doing but you can always improve your own skill set uh and become a better player and you kind of have to trust that the results will take care of themselves um so for me that's a big one i wish i did more uh process uh oriented goal setting um 
I wish I knew more to do when I was solo hitting and to focus more on the the quality of the solo hitting instead of the quantity. Um, you know, doing like four hours in a day isn't necessarily going to make you better if you're out there just uh, kind of, you know, getting sleepy and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, tapping the ball around. So I think, you know, if I knew some more better solo drills back then, but um, obviously there is not a lot of information on that. The only really solo drills I remember doing was, you know, figure eights quite a bit. Uh, and just really going for nicks. I think that was pretty much most of my uh, solo hitting, um, you know, and obviously you just keep hitting the ball. Obviously your control gets better, but uh, there's a lot of other uh, drills that I, I could have worked on, obviously a lot more on length, uh, knowing just, you know, even though it's not how I wanted to play as a junior, I th you know, just knowing that when you did have that opportunity to play it, then you could, you know, just be that accurate or get that extra little bit of pace and uh and then you know with that one attempt you're going to create a lot more pressure than if you just hit it to the right corner but without that kind of severity or, or pinpoint accuracy um so i think that would have been really helpful um yeah and i i think um you know looking outside of my um you know solo hitting i think just understanding more about training i remember in our basement we had a treadmill i had an attachment for a bike for a while um, that i could hook up inside um, had like a little weight machine, uh, kind of one of those all-in-one uh, machines where you could basically do, you know, different exercises, a uh, number of them on the one machine, uh, but didn't really know how much to do of anything and probably not, you know, how to do a lot of things properly. So I think that uh, understanding a lot more about training would have been super helpful. And I think when you're, again, when you're young, you focus so much on immediate results and you know you might go train and you don't really like it when you're you know 11 or 12 but you just you want to do good in tournaments um but i think if people really emphasized how important that was to winning uh and to becoming a good squash player like i didn't quite have an appreciation for uh the importance of the physicality of squash um you know especially when you're playing under 12 under 14 back then um, then you're not really going to maybe stick with something and, and develop a training program leading up to big tournaments. Um, even though I, you know, played the British Open, Scottish Open uh, one time, and uh, obviously Canadian Nationals, U.S. Open, and uh, had some pretty good success at some of those tournaments. But, um, you know, I felt like my preparation was always just, you know, a lot of match play, some, a few drills, a lot of solo hitting. So I think the off-court part... Um, would have been extremely helpful. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there were personal trainers back then, but definitely getting into some kind of fitness training uh, out, like I think with some guidance, I think is uh, super helpful. So I know that's something I've recommended to a lot of parents um, for kids who are, you know, very competitive and keen. And, and I kind of know now just how important like at either general mobility is um, or just the uh, the strength the str strength to be able to kind of get into into different postures while you're playing, um, and how that can affect your movement and your swing and and so many things in squash. So, um, you know, I think that's you know a really good investment if a parent can afford to do it or in a in a group setting with a, a bunch of kids. Um, I think that can be really helpful as a squash coach. You know, I always try to do some of that. Um, but you also can't focus on it uh, maybe as much as, uh, you know, a really competitive player would need to. So I think those are a couple of things from when I look back as a junior that would have uh, really helped me get to the next level. Um, 
Yeah, I think I, I remember working with quite a few different coaches here and there. I'd take a lesson from somebody here, uh, you know, a few times and another club for a few times. Um, you know, I had like kind of a, a coach at my home club that I worked with for a bit. And uh, yeah, I think just, you know, that's good experience, like getting to work with a number of coaches um, for quite a while. But I guess I, I don't know if I really ever found that one coach that, you know, maybe um you know kind of was able to kind of make me open up more and uh make me kind of see squash differently uh and i think that's something that i i maybe i didn't articulate that too well but that's something i try to do now is like kind of try to be very honest with you know the kids i'm working with um you know and uh i mean you can't always be too too blunt but you're you know, you try to, especially the ones that uh, have potential and could be good, just making sure that they understand like all the little details that, you know, you can't get away with this if you want to so create good habits and winning habits. Uh, so I think that kind of stuff, um, having a coach um, kind of hold you a bit more accountable, um, I think that would have been really good because I felt like I was a pretty shy, quiet um, person and uh, kid and, and, you know, squash was kind of my, my outlet. Uh, so I think that it was maybe, well, I'm sure it was very hard to get anything out of me. So I think, you know, being able to kind of have that relationship with a coach, I think would have been really helpful. And that's probably a big reason that, uh, I ended up becoming a coach, uh, and that I really enjoy, uh, coaching juniors. Um, probably I end up actually stopping squash if you don't kind of know my own history when I was about 14 um, and then started again when I was 19 so I think that's something that uh, um, obviously you know I think in the right situation then maybe I could have kept playing um, you know and I could have obviously I, at that time I was still one of the top you know juniors from my age probably in Canada um, but uh, yeah I it's easy to go back and, you know, kind of wish you kept going. But if I did, you know, who knows, maybe I would have been burnt out. Maybe, you know, who know, but maybe it could have turned out better. But you obviously don't, like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to see that for somebody I'm coaching. I'd want them to kind of be able to play right through their teenage years and uh, into university if that's the route they take. Um, and uh, just to really love squash. But I think, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into my, my personal life, why that, why that kind of happened. But, uh, I think that's, um, you know, understanding the athlete on and off the court and, uh, and, uh, trying to make sure that they have some balance and that they, um, you know, are comfortable opening up to you if they're having any uh, difficulties with stuff outside of squash, uh, that maybe you can help kind of mentor them through and, and kind of keep squash as an outlet and a part of their life. And I think that's, uh, you know, hopefully something that, um, you know, that I can bring to some, some kids, uh, as well as a coach now. Um, if I look back to, uh, you know, university years just before university and, and then going to university, um, obviously when I was 19, kind of getting back into squash, like, you know, I had, a, I, you know, that's, I still had a good base, but I hadn't played in a long time. So a lot of stuff had to get better, just general, you know, fitness, uh, you know, all the squash skill kind of dissipated a lot. So it took quite a bit to get back to playing at like a, you know, a pretty decent level for, for my age. Um, you know, I worked really hard for a couple of years, um, probably about three years until I actually ended up going to university. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I was just, yeah, very dedicated and kind of had the same work ethic I did when I was a, uh, a kid. And I ended up getting to, you know, you know, quite a strong level again before the time I finished university. So probably in that uh, six, seven year range where I just, you know, was very motivated and worked really hard and, you know, solo hit a lot and uh, kind of found my passion again for squash. Um, but obviously at that time, like, you know, obviously Jack Ferris was the coach at Western, but he was, you know, mid eighties and, and, uh, not, you know, really around, uh, like as, if you listen to my episode with Greg Hutner, um, cause we were a very self-directed team. I mean, he did the organization and, uh, him and his wife and they were amazing and I uh, really loved Jack and Peg a lot. Um, but you know, obviously at that point, like he's, you know, just in his office and, you know, he was there a lot and uh, I was as well. So, I think off court, that was amazing, like great experiences, traveling to events with them, um, you know, had a, you know, just, it was great to have a mentor, someone to talk to, someone to, uh, you know, go and just, you know, sit in the office anytime and have a chat. And, um, you know, that was amazing getting to know Jack and uh, Peg. And I think, you know, I'm, you know, obviously not complaining about that, but the squash part, I feel like just uh, on court, not really knowing um, you know, necessarily having that direction and guidance. And uh, I think that's, you know, something Greg said during our interview is, you know, he wish he had some more, he got more out of his university years. And I, I feel like I work, you know, as hard or harder than anybody in those four years I was here. But, you know, it was basically, yeah, very self-directed. So it didn't really necessarily put my energy in the right places, didn't always understand what to do to get better. Um, so I think even though I, you know, was pretty successful at, at a varsity level and, uh, and I, um, you know, worked really hard, it wasn't necessarily the smartest, um, you know, didn't really know what to do to get better. Um, so a lot of things I think that I know now that I, I wish I worked on back then, that's kind of what I'd like to share, um, in this podcast as well. So now that I know, like, you know, more about squash, more about training, um, more about, uh, kind of that area those areas of squash I feel like if I could go back and coach myself now which obviously I'm lucky that I'm actually now coaching at Western I have this opportunity to kind of help these kids kind of continue uh, developing their squash games and uh, not just yeah they're going to get fitter because they train a lot and they're they're you know they're men now so it's going from the junior game to like an adult game um, so the physicality is improving but obviously you still have to have your, you know, your squash game evolving, like whether it's your technique or, and or your tactics, uh, your mental game. Uh, there's a lot of things that I think, um, you know, you have to continue to focus on because it really is a lifelong uh, journey about getting better. And these are kind of the years where you can be playing your best squash when you're in your 20s and, and even your 30s. Um, so I think in particular, just uh, you know, I, I definitely felt like tactically, um, you know, my forehand was a little weak. Like I just, um, always just got more comfortable, like either attacking short or going cross court. So just working on the back the forehand straight drive for me would have been, uh, super important to work on that more and, pl and trust it more and just play it more, even though, you know, it wasn't going to be as effective as maybe another shot, but that's how it gets better. Um, so trusting that shot, I think would have been good. Uh, I think just doing more condition games instead of just set drills would have been good because you're involving my, a lot more shot selection, uh, the anticipation skills, the movement skills, 
Um, I think that would have been huge. I think I was relatively fit uh, aerobically, um, could have been a lot more uh, explosive, could have been a lot more, uh, well, it could have been definitely stronger. Um, I was pretty kind of, I'd say maybe 140, 150 pounds probably then. So I felt like uh, I just, my movement was okay. Like my footwork was fine, but uh, definitely doing some more explosive uh, movement work, um, trying to either do some plyometrics, uh, trying to really do more uh, weight training throughout the season. And I think during the season, I got a bit more focused on on court and uh, didn't do enough off court stuff um, to kind of really um, continually improve an area that I, you know, I, I need to work on for more than just the off season. Um, so I think that would have been really, really, really important for me to get to that next level because I felt like I had the racket skill um, to kind of play at a, a bit of a higher level, but um, it was very hard physically to kind of keep up with people who are just either a little bit faster or are just a little bit stronger and kind of they can keep that consistent pace up. Um, and then I think, you know, obviously just understanding, um, you know, I think the mental game and how that is really, um, what fitness is for if, when you're training and you're fit, um, I remember, uh, more than one occasion, just, you know, you kind of have those doubts. Um, you kind of think like, I can't do this. I'm too tired. Like, you know, so all these, the, the kind of this mental part of fitness, um, which I didn't really have that understanding for or understanding of how to battle through. I feel like I have some, um, some better self-talks and better routines that allow me to kind of push myself further, um, and allow me to kind of, uh, you know, kind of push through that, that pain barrier more consistently. Um, even though I'm not as, uh, fit aerobically as I, as I was in university, so I, th I think that's something that, you know, can be taught um, and there are certain skills. And really, for me, like a simple one is just trying to uh, focus on one point at a time. And uh, and that kind of keeps your focus very much in the present and you don't and you kind of learn how to tune out those, you know, self-destructive thoughts. And I think that's something, um, you know, that's really important to learn as a junior, but if you don't have those skills by the time you're at university, you have to continue to work on those because uh, that's such an important part of squash, uh, learning how to kind of be a positive uh, thinker on court, be kind of your uh, someone that's helping you. Uh, your brain has to help you kind of push you um, and keep thinking that whatever challenge or obstacle lies ahead of you, that you can be successful um, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, I, I definitely could have used some help with. Um, I'd say about my game technically, I think my technique was generally pretty good. Uh, there's a few shots that I, uh, you know, besides the forehand drive, uh, really struggled with. I'd say, you know, at the beginning, I definitely wasn't hitting with enough pace. So I started to do a lot more kind of mid-court solo hitting to get stronger. Uh, my forearm, be able to shorten my swing. Uh, counter drops. They were always something like I just did not feel comfortable with. Um, I felt like I would just go to the front, have too big of a backswing, too too tense. So I've definitely learned how to like uh, counter drop better, relax my arm. Uh, so I feel like my my efficiency, I, I guess you could say, of my my swing and my energy usage is a lot better now. Um, so things like that that are kind of subtle um, that I didn't, you know, really have any idea of. Like you're just you watch other good players and and you're trying to learn. Okay, how do I do this? How like how are they better than me? Um, 
but just from years and years of you know coaching playing and watching squash then you start to have a better understanding of different things um, and I think just even focusing more on my length back then and creating pressure with my length uh, as silly as that sounds like how do you not know that and you're playing at a you know top you know div one uh, varsity level and playing one for my university like I, I still didn't I was just really aiming for tightness or aiming for power one or the other um, and not really thinking about the height on the front wall and the weight of my shot and and the space they would have in the back of the court. Uh, so I think that definitely is something that, um, you know, I, I just didn't really think about working on ever. And uh, like, it's amazing I got to that level um, really without, um, you know, that kind of uh, concentration and focus, um, you know, didn't really play that many kill shots. So I think the style of squash has changed for sure in the last uh, 10 to 15 years. So I think, um, you know, I was aggressive, looking to volley, um, try to play at a pretty high pace, take the ball early. Um, so a lot of things are similar, but there's definitely some areas which uh, are quite a bit different. Um, you know, wish I actually tried to maybe attack more off the serve um, and be a bit more aggressive uh, at the start of the points, um, maybe trying to mix my serve up a little more, um, those kind of things. But uh, I can't complain too much, but I would say near the end of university, um, you know, obviously I just got straight into coaching. Like I, I had a, a student loan to go to school, so I kind of had to start paying that back. Um, so something I also wish I did was able to, you know, play more and compete more once I graduated. But I moved to New Brunswick, uh, Eastern Canada, and uh, there wasn't really any, any anyone for me to play at my home club um, that or at a lot of tournaments to really um, you know, constitute, you know, really getting better. And, and uh, you know, you're kind of focused more, a bit more on your career by that time when I was about 25 or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I wish I could have afforded to play some pro squash, but I kind of knew what my level was compared to some of the other Canadian people who were playing. And I knew it wasn't going to be uh, profitable. You know, I didn't really have, there was no opportunities to be like, okay, here, you can come train at this club and stay with this person. And, you know, you can go and, you know, be part of this team that's going to go play you know, X number of tournaments and you'll get some coaching. Like just all these things seem financially completely unviable. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that, uh, you know, Canada still has to really improve on because you want to support people who are, you know, really working hard and are motivated and love squash um, and that want to make a run at the professional level. And I think that's something you know, I hope that, you know, we've hired somebody at, at Western now that uh, is going to be doing that. And that's kind of part of the, you know, uh, reason for hiring is just hoping that we can uh, provide a um, an avenue where this person can like now he just graduated, he he can actually make a real run at going and focusing on a squash and, and, uh, you know, trying to make that, that uh, kind of jump to the, the pro game. And that's something you know, you didn't really see out of too many uh, university players back when I went to university and uh, especially here in Canada. Um, so I think that's, you know, getting a little better, but there's still not, um, at least not in Canada, there's not necessarily a national training center. There's not like set, you know, free coaching. Um, you can't just be ranked a certain level and then get guaranteed like, oh, you're going to get this funding and, and whatever. So it's very difficult to actually um, be part of something that would allow you to get to make that jump you basically would have to do that all all on your own at least at the beginning and um, 
I never did. So I guess if you're out there listening to this and, uh, you know, you're graduating either high school or university and especially during COVID time, maybe, you know, you're doubting why would I want to go play pro squash? Like you might love it, but, you know, you have to train so hard. There's not really any tournaments happening now. There's, you know, maybe squash is looking like a very bleak choice, but it's something you can only do for a short period of time. And I think uh, I would definitely recommend trying to give it a go at all possible. And I think there's always a way to get around the challenges if you if it's something you really enjoy and it's your passion. And uh, I think you don't want to go like look back and necessarily have any regrets. Um, not that I'm saying you know obviously I guess it kind of sounds like a bit of a regret, but you know I don't have any regrets about how you know my junior career and uh you know university career um kind of took shape but there's obviously you can you can wish that you can use that experience to help other people maybe take you know make it one decision or another uh so i definitely would say if you feel like that's something that uh, you really want to go after then to to give it a chance and um you know squash is a sport you can't peak when you're 40 or 50 i mean you, you well you can for you but you know, not at the pro level. So I think if you want to play, uh, you kind of have a short window to kind of make a run at it and uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. And I think that's something, um, you know, I never did. I didn't really open up to, you know, other, you know, players or coaches or even family just to be like, yeah, this is something I want to pursue. And and uh, as a kid, I, I, you know, I remember that was my goal. My only goal I remember was like, I want to be number one in the world one day. Um, but it's those steps to get to that point, right? And uh, you can't just, you know, yeah, it's great to have that long-term dream goal, but you got to have these other steps and, and kind of smaller goals that, you know, lead up to those main goals. Um, so definitely think that uh, hopefully that's a little bit insightful about, you know, things that I've gone through, uh, things that maybe I could have done um, you know, differently things I wish I had access to, uh, that maybe you'll have access to. And maybe just by sharing some of these stories and this insight, um, it'll kind of, you know, help maybe a few things that you're going through. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think hope, you know, that's kind of the idea of this podcast is just sharing ideas. I mean, not, it wasn't supposed to be my ideas. It was supposed to be other, you know, more experienced, uh, coaches. Um, and I, I, you know, I've actually learned a lot just interviewing the first uh, few coaches and from the first few episodes. So I hope, uh, hope you guys have from that and I hope you're, you know, finding a few things um, kind of insightful from last episode uh, for me and, and this part two one. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously, I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, not just necessarily talk about my career and uh, achievements and stuff, but just more about, um, you know, what I remember and recall and things that I, I think could have helped me even become more successful, um, than I was. If I, if I just focus a bit more now on my coaching, uh, it's a little bit different. So I think my first year coaching, I was, uh, the year before I went to university. So I was probably 21 or so, um, but then I'm gonna foc- I'm gonna just talk about quickly now is just what have I learned as a coach now that I wish I knew when I was starting as a coach um, when I graduated Western. So that would have been 2009, so over 10 years ago now. Uh, I think the one thing is I was a good, you know, a pretty strong player. So anywhere I was coaching at a club, you know, generally I would be the best player, um, and 
you know, I guess that, you know, gives you a bit of, of a pedigree already. But I think, you know, I wasn't too sure, like, you know, how to run a lesson or, um, you know, because I myself didn't hadn't had a lot of lessons since I was a little kid. And I, you know, so I didn't have any recent experience um, from getting coaching. So you're basically starting from scratch. You don't have a lot of confidence about what to do, how to do it. Uh, I feel like definitely over coaching, uh, over focusing sometimes on technique, uh, because, you know, you, you go out there and there's somebody with this kind of a little bit of a wild swing and you're, you're trying to basically break it all apart and you don't understand and appreciate kind of individual differences and, and how, uh, difficult it can be to break something down that somebody's done for a long time and start over and, and not everyone is that committed and dedicated and not able physically to actually go and make those changes. Um, so I think it's understanding more now about like what somebody wants out of their lesson, what they're looking for, uh, communicating with them about that if, if appropriate. Um, under having, trying to have an understanding what they're capable of doing. Um, so trying to keep it simple, trying to, um, you know, you might not, you're not trying to compare their swing to your swing. So you're trying to say, how can I improve their consistency or their power or their whatever? Um, I'd say that's a lot more important. Um, so trying not to be overly technical, um, trying to keep it, you know, some, make sure some of it's fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that's something I've learned a lot. Um, I think, just having variety in my lessons, in my coaching, um, trying to, uh, you know, not just because somebody needs to work on one thing a lot, then, you know, you can't just beat a dead horse over and over. It's not changing. Um, or maybe somebody's not good at something. So, you know, you don't want to always work on something you're not good at. You're not going to enjoy it. You struggle with something. Some people want to work on it. They want to get better, but some people you need to kind of work on things they're good at and they enjoy and sometimes you got to just play more games and condition games and condition rallies and fun little games um and then you kind of maybe you know you find the right time okay let's put in a little bit of this and work on and work on this or talk about that and and I think that um getting somebody to that point where they are willing to work on something they struggle with and and if it's something uh, say changing their grip or learning to cock their wrist or um, it could even be like learning to lunge properly or move properly or or something like that like takes a major commitment and it's not going to happen in one lesson or one week or even one month so I think um, you know you can't always just um, be one way when you're coaching every person's and uh, and kind of having a bit of patience and uh, seeing a bit more uh, the long term as a coach, I feel like it's been really helpful. Um, and then I think, you know, I think I've talked about this in my podcast with, um, uh, I can't remember who actually, but I remember coming up once or twice so far. And it's just about, I think you have to be really, um, you know, attentive. Uh, you have to be reading the people, whether it's a group or a single person, and just uh, making sure that they're they're enjoying it, they're having fun, they're engaged, they're focused, um, and uh, not just be too absorbed in what you think is a great idea and a great plan if they don't, right? So you, I think just understanding that, and you don't, you're not going to know that right away. I'm still working on that, 
I'm still not great at it, but it's something I, I've definitely gotten better at and it's something I appreciate a lot more. And I think because of that, having a better uh, kind of relationship with each person that I'm coaching and more of them continue to play squash, uh, I hope because of that, because you're you're kind of reading the situation and each person and learning how to how to talk to them differently, especially when you're working with kids and all different ages uh, and boys and girls and, you know, brothers and sisters and stuff. And, and I think that's, you know, obviously, you know, really enjoyable, but also really challenging and something you don't learn in a coaching manual. Um, and if you want to have a, you know, a good junior program, especially like that's something that uh, is really critical. Um, yeah, just if, if you're doing group stuff, just getting the buy into that whole team aspect, um, kind of learning that they're, you know, they're there helping each other, you know, trying to make sure they kind of, you know, you can't force them to become friends, but you want them to have that like camaraderie, uh, between them. And I think that's kind of keeps the, keeps them, uh, wanting to go there, coming back and, uh, somewhere that they enjoy going to. And a lot of people, a lot of kids maybe don't want to go to school, um, you know, obviously that's not everyone, but you know, you want them to want to be at the squash club and to want to put in extra work and, and to want to, you know, go to tournaments with their friends and stuff. And that's, that's something that I, uh, you know, I think is really important to kind of being able to get, uh, a junior, a group of juniors to that point. Um, so I think that's, you know, the main things that I, I've kind of learned in my coaching. Um, I would also say that, uh, you know, I talked about this in the Stuart Dixon uh, tribute episode is um, just, you know, sometimes the best coaching or the best uh, experience that I've had was like not in a coaching manual. So, you know, I did my master's in coaching. I've taken level three coaching courses um, and you kind of learn a little bit sometimes. And, you know, this helps a little um, but really the best experience is just being coach, uh, being out there coaching, uh, getting to be around other great coaches, talking to other coaches, which is, you know, just like what I'm doing and in, in the, uh, this podcast. And I think that's actually been, um, helping my coaching, uh, more than anything. So getting to work alongside Stuart and other coaches, um, you know, at camps and stuff, uh, and I think that's where you you can kind of broaden your perspective. Um, so I think even if you're an experienced coach, like talking to your, you know, the other younger coaches, um, you know, being open-minded, uh, I think those kind of qualities are really important. And uh, last thing I would say is just um, making sure to take care of your, your own body. And uh, that's something, you know, I was just, I remember for a, a while in, in BC, um, you know, I was just coaching so much and on court so much, you're just, you know, very tired physically. Um, so you just, you really don't do enough stuff off court. Your body starts to break down you're always sore. And that's, you know, a number of years ago and I was way too young for that kind of stuff to happen in your early thirties. So I think that's, uh, you know, if you want to be a coach, you want to be, you know, healthy, you want to, your body to feel, you know, not its age or, you know, at its age at worst, then uh, you do need to really commit to making time in your schedule, even during a busy squash season and, uh, you know, doing some exercises and, and getting some some basic kind of strength training in. Because uh, generally, you know, if you're coaching enough and some decent players, you'll get maybe some decent uh, cardio in. But definitely the strength, the mobility, 
um, you know, flexibility, that kind of stuff, you kind of have to work at constantly as a coach. Um, and I think most don't, which is why, you know, they're uh, not too mobile and their bodies are breaking down. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that's something I'm still focusing on and still trying to get better at. Um, but hopefully if you're a young up and coming coach or, or uh, you know, uh, you're thinking about becoming a coach, that's something you can uh, make time for yourself. And, and you don't have to say yes to every single lesson uh, and be at the club say, 60 hours a week or 50 hours a week to be a great coach. It's not the quantity again. Um, you know, you have to sometimes say no and and you have to sometimes like, you know, ask for help, whether you can get somebody else to help you with some of your work um, or you just, you know, have to, you know, tell somebody that your schedule is full, but you'll have them on your list for as soon as you get an opening. I think, you know, that's uh, that's something that could be really helpful. Um, I think that's about it. So I hope you enjoyed uh, a little bit different episode again, um, just uh, talking a little bit about uh, things that I, I've learned from my past um, that I wish that I know maybe now that I think could have helped me uh, as a player and as a coach. And uh, hopefully some of that, that insight, uh, those tips and ideas will help a few of you and maybe not as much as you know, some of the other more experienced kind of coaches, but uh, hopefully still I have a bit of wisdom and insight uh, that'll help some young players and, and coaches out there as well. And uh, hopefully if I get my computer back uh, for the next episode, then hopefully I'll have, um, you know, a really knowledgeable guest on and uh, someone you can learn even more from. So thanks a lot for listening to episode eight. It's uh, me part b and uh hopefully it'll be the last one of me but i hope you still found it a little bit uh, insightful so thanks for listening